I want to talk to you more this morning about the love of Jesus that he has for us. There was a man who uh, went to church. He was a new Christian, and he had a, a bulldog um, um, pin on his lapel. And um, as he came, uh, he went up to his pastor, and his pastor noticed that bulldog pin. And and so his pastor says, well, what is that about? And, and um, he was a man that worked for Mack Trucks, and uh, a bulldog is their their symbol that uh, of Mack trucks and they have them on all their on their hood ornaments and all of that and so he was telling him but for me that bulldog reminds me when I put it on my lapel it reminds me of the tenaciousness of holding on to Christ during the trials of life well the pastor looked at him and he said you know that is a really good illustration but it's not the greatest theology in the world. <laughs> he said, you know, and, and so the man said, well, what do you mean by that? And the pastor says, well, the real truth of the story is, is that God's love is way more tenacious than ours is. <laughs> and God is the one who holds on to us through all the trials and through all the things that come our way in life. And um, we can always count on God. And you just stop and think about, you know, some of the trials you've been through. And now just stop and think about some of the trials God has had with you. And who's been more tenacious? (laughs) And, you know, I stop and think about some of the trials I've given God. (laughs) God has been way more tenacious than I have ever been. God's love is so tenacious, it hangs in there like a bulldog. Well, the theme today is that text from Romans that we know so well, um, where Jesus' love is just tenacious. It hangs on to us regardless of all the other things in life that we face. There isn't anything that can strip us of it. This morning we're going to read uh, that passage together. I'm going to ask that you read along with me out loud. And um, Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, for we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Well, that's a pretty amazing passage and one that you have heard preached on a lot. One little boy, as he was looking over Romans 8.31, read it, and he read it like this, If God be for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Um, And that really pretty well sums up what that verse says. God says if there is anyone that can... God says that he is there, and there isn't anyone that really can be against us if God is for us. And that gives us a lot of confidence. So the first thing I want to say this morning to us about God's love is God's love gives us confidence in the midst of the challenges of life. Um, Paul faced all kinds of trials. He faced all kinds of difficulties and challenges, and he never downplayed them. He didn't ignore them. He didn't pretend that they they didn't exist or any of that. Uh, In fact, Paul says in this passage, for your sake we face death all day long. So Paul was saying, everywhere I go, there's a chance that I'm going to be martyred for my faith, for preaching the gospel, but I want to tell people about Jesus. And so he was facing trials and difficulties and all kinds of difficult things in his life every day of his life. And yet he was able to write that passage and say that God's love cannot separate, uh, he can't be separated by all these other things in his life. God's love is a stable thing in his life. We know that there were indeed, uh, from you read Galatians and some other books um, that Paul wrote, we know that Paul faced uh, people that brought charges against him. And then you go to this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul talks about all the difficulties. And you just stop and think about this list. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That's an amazing passage, hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And how is it that Paul is able to write that? It was because he knew in the midst of all those things that Jesus loved him. (laughs) Now, the fact is that you and I are hard-pressed often in our lives also. Our sufferings, don't compare to those of Jesus. Our sufferings don't compare to those of the Apostle Paul. And quite frankly, a lot of times when we start looking around, we start feeling overwhelmed by the stresses and by the troubles that we have in life. We don't, if we open our eyes, don't have to look very far and say, oh, I have it really good. (laughs) But the fact is, when you and I are having troubles, and the fact is, when we're having uh, difficulties, they seem really big because there are a set of problems and all of that. And so 
that's exactly the point when we really need to zero down and we need to remember that Jesus loves us in the midst of all of those things. Our culture would like to tell us that when life isn't going well, that Jesus has forgotten about us and he's quit loving us. That is not scriptural at all. You see Paul going through the worst of things. And what is the bottom line conviction of his life? Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's his number one conviction. And you and I need to be able to arrive at that place in our life that it doesn't matter what faces us. Even death. Even persecution. Whatever might come. We need to get to that place in life where we can be convinced that God loves me. Regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of what is happening in my life. That is what occurred in the Apostle Paul's life. And so, regardless of whether we're sick, regardless of whether we have lost loved ones, regardless of recession, regardless of loss of jobs, or security, or personal attacks, or inflation, or global crises, or retirement, or any number of things that come our way, you and I need to be able to get to that place where this one thing is nailed down in my life. Jesus loves me. Now, I'm, I'm not standing before you and telling you that I've nailed this down completely. <laughs> but it's where I need to be, and it's where you need to be. It doesn't matter what happens in life. I must have this conviction. You must have this conviction that God loves me. And all these things can't be taken away from They can't take away the love of God. The worst things can happen in life. But this one thing I have, Jesus loves me. Hmm. Now Paul does not mention some things. In this passage, he, in the passage from Romans 8, he talks about things present and things future cannot separate us from the love of, God, of Christ. He never says anything about things past. Sometimes you and I, because of our past, we separate ourselves from the love of God because we are so overwhelmed and we can't forgive ourselves. First of all, a lot of times we can't admit sin in our culture. We can't confess it. We can't make restitution for it. So we can't receive forgiveness. And when we live under that, it keeps us from moving forward in the love of Christ. And so, friends, I just want to say, even though our culture continually wants to tell us and deny the reality of sin, but if you and I can't move past it, we never get to this place in life where we receive the love of Christ and recognize that in our lives. Um, and that it comes at a great price tag. Every one of us needs to get to that place where, regardless of what happens in our life, we have this nailed down, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Thomas Akempis wrote um, centuries ago the, a great big book called The Imitation of Christ. I read it 
many years ago when my brain still worked and I could read that kind of stuff. Um, and one of the quotes that came out of that book was, count not of great importance who is for you or against you, but let this be your aim and your care, that God is with you in everything you do. And then Calvin Miller says, those who live in his confident love are free to live confidently. We're able to move forward in life. But it's not just the ability to live that the love of God changes for us. The love of God also gives us confidence to be able to die confidently. Fox's Book of Martyrs um, is a wonderful book that, that talks about all the different stories of people who were martyred for their faith, martyred because they believed in Jesus. And it's amazing as you go through that book how many times the people that were martyred for their faith, for standing up for their faith in Christ, how many times they died while they were singing praises to God. (laughs) I hope I never have to experience that and find out. But I cannot imagine myself (laughs) being persecuted and being martyred and singing at the same time. <laughs> I whine way too much now as it is. So um, I, I just can't imagine that happening in my life. But so many of these martyrs, as they were being martyred, as they were being you know, um, burned at the stake, they would be singing praises to God. And how? what, is, what enables them to do that? It's kind of like Paul and Silas in prison singing songs of praise. It was their confident, their confidence in the tenaciousness of God's love, that God loves them even in the midst of their martyrdom. Calvin Miller also writes and he says, Jesus loves me, gives, sets me free from the egotistical need to love myself. We, we live where self-esteem and, and uh, self-confidence and you know all these things are so ingrained and so taught and so encouraged in our life. But friends, the, 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 that doesn't really solve the real issue in life. We need to know that God loves us. And that becomes the thing that sets us free from the constant need to kind of prop ourselves up and build ourselves up, if we can get to that point where God loves me, then I don't have to prop myself up a lot and encourage myself with self-love and self-image and all of those kind of things. Um, Being confident that God loves us will set us free uh, to be confident um, when the hassles of life come our way. The second thing I want to say to you today is that God's love is constant and it is complete. Constant and complete. How was it that the Apostle Paul, as you go down through that list in Romans chapter 8, how was it that he was so confident in God's love during challenging times? He focused on the cross. He focused on the fact that Jesus gave his life for him. And he remembered that that God did not spare um, Jesus from the challenges or from suffering, but he gave gave Jesus up graciously so that you and I could experience the love of God. 
Now, you and I, we are asked to love God, right? But we are never asked to love God while he pretends only a casual interest in us. And I think a lot of times we struggle with loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. But it could be because we're not solely convinced about how much God loves us. When someone really deeply loves you, it's a lot easier to love them back. God loves each one of us. And the the comforting thing is when we when we look and remember how much God loves us, it enables us and it frees us to love Him to a, a lot deeper extent. Um, Henry Nouwen, who is a Roman Catholic um, writer um, of our day, he he says the mystery of God is that God is a lover who wants to be loved, but He first loved. First John chapter three and verse one. Um, I, I memorized this in the King James growing up. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished onto us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. That's an amazing verse. The great love the Father has lavished onto us. And he says, you know, this is what we are. This is our identity. You are, you know, if somebody asked you what you are, you are a child of God that God dearly loves. God loves you. That's your identity. That's who you are. He loved us before we were conceived. He loved us before we were born. He loved us when we were going through the two-year-old tantrums. He loved us when we were going through the 40-year-old tantrums. (laughs) He is a God who simply loves us now. This is our identity. This is who we are. God's beloved children. And that's something that you and I need to think about. We need to focus on. We need to process that and allow that to begin to filter into the way that we live our lives. Romans chapter 5 says much the same thing. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Now notice those words poured out. It means that God just backed up a truck and just dumped it on us. Um, we are There's just an, uh, an abundance of it. Um, The tense also tells us not only that God um, dumped out his love on us, poured it out on us, but also that it stays. It didn't just run off. It stays. We are surrounded in God's love. You and I may not always feel that. We may not always sense it. But God's love is always there for us. If somebody, if God has given his one and only son so that you and I can know him, would he ever take that love away once he's made that kind of a commitment to us? No. God's love is always there for us. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 says that I pray, Paul is writing here to the Ephesians and he's actually praying a prayer for them. He prays two prayers in the, in the book of Ephesians. And this is the second prayer for them. And in the midst of that, he says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. Stop and look at that. He's praying that we would have power to grasp, to begin to understand how how big the boundary of God's love is. And then he says, you know, there are no boundaries. You and I try to figure this out. We can spend the rest of our lives trying to understand how much God loves us. And we will never figure it out. Because we all live in a world of boxes. And sometimes we expand those boxes, but God's love is outside those boxes. (laughs) And no matter how much we can imagine how much God loves us, His love is greater than that. It's longer, it's higher, it's deeper, it's wider than the love that we can imagine God has for us. In fact, he goes on to say it surpasses knowledge. You and I can live the rest of our lives trying to understand this, but we will not understand how much God loves us. And then I want you to notice this. He prays that we would understand God's love so that we might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Could it be that we hamper our spiritual growth and maturity because we do not live convinced and convicted of this one fact? that there is no one in the whole entire universe that loves us like God does. Paul prays that you and I would understand and grasp how much God loves us so that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In other words, you and I will never reach spiritual maturity if we have our doubts about how much God loves us. It is love that promotes growth and maturity. Psalm 52, verse 8, is what I want to close with this morning. And I want us to read that uh, together. Uh, We're going to read that together twice this morning. But I am like an olive tree, Flourishing in the house of God, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. But I am like an olive tree, flourishing in the house of God, I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. That's an amazing passage, or just a one verse that David, King David writes, and he talks about himself and shows himself flourishing as an olive tree. Remember all the olive trees in Israel. And what Paul says there is, you know, a challenge for each one of us. Can we trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever, regardless of what is happening? 
That's a conscious decision. It's something that you and I have to decide to do, to trust in God's love for us. Now, tribulation, trials, challenges, those things will come, and sometimes they won't be very noble. Sometimes they won't be very good. Sometimes the intent will not be very good. But in the midst of all of those things, God loves each one of us. And they cannot separate us from the love of God. You and I need to trust that. And we need to live in that. 